talking tonight about an expected end. Jeremiah 29 and 11. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. What a beautiful scripture. Um, Just that beginning part alone to just know that despite anything and everything that we've done, that God said that he has thoughts of, of peace and not of evil towards us, that he regards us in that way to give you an expected end. Another uh, version uh, of the Bible, that same scripture, it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So beautiful. You can go ahead and be seated. I just want to, I, I started to develop this this lesson um, last week, and then I was able to, I wasn't present for pastor's sermon here on Sunday. I listened to it, um, and I was like, man, that's what I was going to teach. You stole it, but we had no idea. But I, uh, I am hopefully going to um, just kind of start where he left off, uh, so hopefully there won't be too much um, repeating or anything like that. But um, So this scripture in Jeremiah 29 We know that from the previous chapter that Jeremiah um, has just pronounced judgment on the false prophet Hananiah. So Hananiah told the people of God, or told the people that God would break the yoke of Babylon, freeing the people to return home within two years. Now, anyone in bondage, of course, would take that message and run with it, right? Okay, he said, we're going to be out of bondage. Yes, well, the message sounded appealing to the people. However, it was a lie, and it resulted in God removing Hananiah from the face of the earth. So instead, Jeremiah tells the people that they would actually live in Babylon for at least 70 years, and that they should settle down, build houses, marry, um, even pray for peace and prosperity for the city in which they now found themselves. And so when we understand this verse in that context, we discover that The words of Jeremiah were spoken to people that were in hardship. They were in hardship and they were suffering. And people who were likely desiring an immediate rescue, like the one that Hananiah lied about, but God's response did not provide immediate escape from the difficult situation. Rather, God promised that he has a plan to prosper them in the midst of that bondage, in the midst of that hardship. And so we can see that that's a very encouraging message to us today because, you know, as we live our life, we all face trials and tribulations and hardships and things like that. And so we can take this scripture and just be encouraged at the fact that even though we know that God may not just immediately bring relief from our situation, he does promise um, that he would be there in the midst of it and that he has an overall plan for us. And so I just wanted to talk about a few, to highlight a few hardships um, of people with with hardships. Okay, this is just not going to work. But um, in James 1, verses 2, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So... 
when we're going through things and trials and things like that, it's not typically a joyous occasion, right? And sometimes we're, we're so desperate, we're barely getting through it. We're trying to maintain our walk with God. But he said, my brethren, count it all joy because it's a part of the plan. Amen. Second Corinthians eleven twenty six. This is Paul writing, and um, Pastor touched a little bit about this on Sunday. Um, but if anybody suffered hardships, it was Paul. Um, verse twenty six. It just says, "In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of the city, in perils of the wilderness. Lots of perils." Um, Perils and willingness and toil and sleepiness often, hunger and thirst and fastings often, and cold and nakedness, beside the other things, what comes upon me daily. My deep concern for all of the churches. So he's saying all of these perils, and also I'm concerned about the church and the work of the church and everything that's going on. Verse 29 says, Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? But he says in verse 30, if I must boast, I will boast in the things which concern my infirmity. He says, if I can rejoice in anything, it's in my weakness. And I'm going somewhere, I promise. But in Acts 5, verses 40, it says, and they agreed, the disciples, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So we see a repeating pattern here, pattern here where these people of God were either persecuted or um, in temptation, in trials, in tribulation, in perils, lots of perils. But they were able to rejoice because they knew that in their trial, that is when they were the most like Jesus. So in our trials and in our troubles, we can take heart in knowing that God has a plan to prosper and not to harm us. A plan of hope and a future, or like Pastor preached on Sunday, a destiny, right? And so we can take comfort in the fact that it is all a part of God's plan. Like we said, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected. And so as we face these difficult situations, we know that it's not promised to us that we'll have immediate relief. Rather, the promise is that God has a plan for our lives regardless of our current situation. So we, uh, he can work through it to prosper us and to give us hope and a future. And like I said, that sounds a lot like pastor's message on Sunday, right? But God gave me that first. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Before I knew what he was talking about. But we can know that God's promises, God promises to be there for us in every situation, Because the verses immediately uh, following that verse, God proclaims through Jeremiah that when you call on me and come and pray to me, I will listen to you. I will, or you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So God promises to be there. 
And all of the things that you've been through is leading you to that expected end, leading you to that destiny. And I know that we've seen a couple of hard years, right? I think that the last two years have been hard on a lot of us. And, you know, you may have lost your job or even sought a job to no avail, but you learned God is my provider. You may have suffered heartbreak or loss of a loved one, but you learned God is my comfort. You may have carried a heavy burden, but you learned that God is my strength. And so our testimony here tonight is that God is with us. Hallelujah. God is with us. And I said all of that so that I could address this next portion, so that I could talk about our expected end. What is that end? What is our destiny? Sometimes we try so hard to live for God despite our past. And Pastor talked a little bit about that. We, we have this shame and this guilt heavy on our shoulders. But I want to encourage, because this next part of the lesson is what happens next, but you can't get there, right, if you are weighed down by this guilt and this shame and, um, you know, your past but we have to just recognize. We have to give it to God and recognize that it's, it brought us here. Whatever it was, no matter the hurt, and, you know, it, there, it, we don't know the why, right? Uh, you know, sometimes it's consequences of our sins. Sometimes it's just life. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, the devil. Sometimes it's God putting us through these things. But regardless of the why, it brought us to where we are right now. And so we can recognize that it was a part of God's plan. I mean, so many people, they want to do things for God, and they're, they're trying to live for God, but they're just weighed so heavily by that shame, by that guilt, or thinking that God could never use me because I've done this or because I've done that. But I want to encourage you that through all of those trials, through all of those tribulations, God was with you. God saw you, and you're here, right? You're here tonight. Hallelujah. And so I just want to encourage you in that, to encourage you in this next portion. And as we talk about that expected end, that it's for you. Hallelujah. That there's nothing you done, said, or thought, hallelujah, that would keep you from that expected end. Because again, it is all a part of God's plan. Now this verse um, here is a little important. If you have your Bible, if you could turn to Philippians chapter 3. apologize I had all the verses on there but Philippians chapter 3 starting at verse 12 it says not as though I had already attained neither were already perfect but I follow after if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus brethren I count not myself to have apprehended But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So we've got to forget the things that are behind. We've got to press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. God has 
a high calling for your life. God has an expected end for your life. And in life, we have, there's different callings, right? I mean, if I call my kids and say, William, Rebecca, I have something for you. They're going to drop everything. Look, see, they they popped up. They're going to drop everything, right? They get get so zoned into their little toys and things like that. They're going to drop everything and come running. But if I call, William, Rebecca, it's time to clean your room. Look, they didn't even turn. They knew it. Um, They're probably not going to be as hasty, (laughs) right? So there's different callings. But I don't know about you, but I want to be sensitive to God's call. Hallelujah. I want to know when God is calling me. Hallelujah. No matter what it is to listen to God's call. And I want to tell you that God isn't going to meet us in our sin with this voice of thunder and tell us our calling. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way, right? There's no megaphone from heaven telling us what our calling is, but we have to seek after it. And we can only do that by seeking the the word of God and in prayer and praying all of these things, pursuing that calling. God has a calling in place, but there is a path, there is a way that we need to go. So firstly, our calling, each and every one of us here today, firstly, God calls us out of our sin. 2 Corinthians 6.17, it says, Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. That very first, and some of us may remember that moment, maybe it came out of a moment of desperation, or maybe you were just seeking more out of life, but you remember that moment where you said, you know what, maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to go to church, or that moment when you were just so desperate, you were in your room and just saying, I don't even know if there's a God, but if there's a God, please hear me now. Whatever it was, that moment that called you out and said, I want something different out of this life, and God calls us out of sin, and he calls us to himself, right? He doesn't just call us out of our sin, but he calls us to himself, and so he calls us to salvation. Acts 2.38, it says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So he calls us out of his sin, and he calls us to salvation. It says to repent. And if you don't know what that means, it's simply just saying sorry. You're saying sorry to God, and you're, you're, you're turning your life around, right? You're, gonna, you're saying, God, I'm sorry for these sins, and I'm committing to not do those and to pursue God. And then there's baptism, and that's remission, completely, completely washing away those sins. And if you're one of those that I talked about carrying around that guilt and, and shame of sin or something that you've committed in your past that, and you haven't been baptized, and I encourage you to do so because it is a fresh start. It's an opportunity to completely be washed clean and to completely start over in this life uh, living for God and the Holy Ghost. Now, that that is where our calling really becomes clear because that is allowing God to reside in our heart and allowing the Spirit of God to be within us, inside of us, so that you can truly be sensitive 
to his voice. And if you haven't been baptized in Jesus' name and received the Holy Ghost, please ask us about it after service. We'd be happy to set up a Bible study with you. But I want, and and I don't want to belittle these things because that is so important. When we first commit our lives to God, that's so important. When we first, you know, truly, when we're baptized and we come out of that water and we say, God, I'm going to live for you. And we make that commitment. That is such a big step. And the the Bible says that angels, uh, heaven rejoices when one sinner repents. So I I don't want to belittle those steps, but I do want to say tonight that that is just the beginning of what God has for us. God has so much more in store for you and for me. And if you haven't gotten there yet, I want to tell you that that's your first step. That's our first step that we need to take tonight. But if you've done that, I want to encourage you that there is so much more for you. Hallelujah. God has called you by name. He doesn't just, you know, have this general calling. Yes, he gives us a path. He gives us a way. But each and every one of you here tonight has a calling from God. And the calling um, in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, it says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. The calling of God will be on your life until you breathe your last breath. And it's so beautiful that God would put those things in his word when sometimes, like I said, we just get so down and out or we fall into sin as we do we're human we fall into sin and we just think that there's no way that God could still love us there's no way that God could still call me uh, to be a preacher there's no way that God could still call me to to do this or do that for the church or for the kingdom or to how can I teach bible study to someone when when I was a sinner too you know we we think all of these things but he says that his gifts and his callings are without repentance. It means they're irrevocable. If you look, there's some translations that say the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. So the calling is always there. God has an expected and a future and a destiny, but the choice, again, is ours. So you may ask, well, what is my calling, right? If, I'm, if, if God is calling me, me by name, what is that exact calling? Well, I can't answer that for you, unfortunately. I can tell you those beginning steps, and I can tell you that we need to pursue our calling with everything that we have. Hallelujah, that we continue to read God's word and we continue to pray. But I can tell you how you know if you're walking in the call of God. And that is that it will glorify God. So you can look at your life. You can look at the things that you do. And you can ask yourself, does it glorify God? Hallelujah. And if that's true, you can know that you're walking in the calling. You can continue to pursue that calling. And I want to to tell you that your calling, whatever it may be, it is all built on the foundational Christian living. We've got to get the basics first, right? Um, we, we want to do so much in God, and God has so much for us. But it's important that we build that foundation. 1 Peter 2 and 9 through 12. It says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, called 
who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you, as strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against your soul, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. How beautiful is that? He says, listen, you're called, but it's going to be by your good works that's going to glorify God. Hallelujah. So each and every one of us are called. We're called to do amazing and great things in God. The Bible says exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. But we've got to have that foundation, right? God's got to call us out of sin into salvation. Hallelujah. And unto good works. Hallelujah. And if we could just stand, I have a few more scriptures here. This is 1 Peter 1 and 15. It says... But as he which hath called you, right, he called you, he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. If you're not sure what your specific calling is, start here. Start with those Christian foundations. Start, if you've never read the Bible, open it up. Just start reading, wherever, it doesn't matter. Just Start reading. If you've never prayed, then you can pray. If you've never repented or been baptized or received the Holy Ghost, start there. Hallelujah. And build a life of holiness. Hallelujah. Now, this one's going to hurt a little bit. But you'll never fulfill your calling in God while you're comfortable living in sin. It's just not, it's just not possible. Hallelujah. God has called us out of that. Hallelujah. So, I know in, in church, and I, we've got a lot of visitors here. I want to be careful, but there's people that they want to be used in church, and they want to do great and amazing things for God, but they can't give up their sin. They're not willing to give up their sin. And I'm not saying that we, don't, we can't fall. We don't, we don't fall. We all fall. Hallelujah. But it's about pursuing. It's about pursuing that calling. Hallelujah. So I want to emphasize again, Philippians 3, 14, it says, I press, I press, I pursue, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. I wonder if tonight we can just press for a minute. Hallelujah. If we can just pursue that calling. Hallelujah. God, I'm so thankful for the call that you have placed on my life, Lord Jesus. And I just pray Oh, hallelujah, that we would pursue after it. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus, hallelujah. Oh, that God, hallelujah, we would continue to seek after you, to continue to do your work. Hallelujah, Jesus, we thank you that your calling and your gifts are without repentance, Lord Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. If we could pray to him tonight, Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm going to press. 
Hallelujah. No matter what trial or what situation that I face, God, I know, hallelujah, that you are with me and that I am called. Hallelujah. I'm called to do a great work, so I am not going to let sin overcome me. Hallelujah. I'm not going to let this world bring me down, God. Hallelujah. But I'm going to press. I'm going to press towards the mark of the high calling. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, I thank you. Hallelujah, Jesus, for calling us, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We want to go deeper. 